Thursday, Britain going to the polls. The Conservatives there holding a slender lead over Labour, but a hung Parliament is looking increasingly likely. You have all that you would normally expect with a general election in Britain. The Tories, they're now denying claims that David Cameron admitted privately that he can't win a majority. The Liberal Democrat peer, Lord Scriven, says the Prime Minister told Nick Clegg that the Tories won't win outright. Speaking in Twickenham on the campaign trail, Clegg said he wouldn't reveal details of any private conversations he might have had. I wish I could reveal some of these private conversations because the difference between what the Conservatives say privately and what they're claiming publicly is uh, it's now quite a gulf. They're not going to win with a majority with 23 seats. They know that. Nobody thinks they're going to win a majority. They need 323 seats and it's absolutely no way they're going to get that. Yeah, vote for me instead, effectively, is what Nick Clegg is saying there. Michael White of The Guardian's on the line. Michael, are we heading for a hung parliament? Well, we certainly are and that's the worst kept secret in uh, European politics this month. Of course we are. Uh, the sums don't add up whichever way you do them. So what exactly is, is likely to happen? Because over in this country, we're used to the idea of coalition and horse trading and indeed possibly three parties going in together. That's an alien concept across the water. Well, we're learning. And uh, what's happened, I think, in Britain is that the old two-party system, 19th century, it used to be... Uh, 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 conservative and liberal, and then the Labour Party came in, and now uh, all three parties discredited uh, for one reason or another. So the smaller parties are coming uh, coming up. But uh, when uh, uh, you rang me a minute ago, I was just reading up on the Irish nationalists of the uh, uh, 1880s, and again renewed vigour after the election of 1910 when they were very influential. And maybe that's the model people should be looking at. I hope the politicians have been reading their history books. About uh, John Redmond and, of course, Charles Stuart Parnell. In that context, uh, Nicola Sturgeon is the one to watch here and the Scottish National Party because they could win, in theory, and we'll talk about this in just a minute, every seat in Scotland. Yeah, I tend not to believe that. And one reason I don't believe it is that pollsters often say, will you vote SNP or will you vote Labour? What they don't say is, will you vote for Douglas Alexander, the uh, uh, MP for one of the Paisley seats in uh, southwest Glasgow, uh, whose father was the local minister, who has lived there all his life, who works very hard, who is a good guy and smart. And you think, hmm, will a 20-year-old SNP beat Douglas Alexander on paper? According to the pollsters, I'll believe it when it happens. Uh, watching the opinion polls uh, in the corner of the screen on the news channels, uh, the UKIP, they, they are performing in double figures, um, but because of the British system, are not going to get that many MPs. But is there surprise that uh, they are doing so well, at least in terms of percentage, but unlikely to win any seats? Well, they will win a seat or two. Uh, Douglas Carswell, the uh, the argument I've just applied to uh, Douglas Alexander in Falkirk, apply, not Falkirk, sorry, Paisley, applies to uh, Douglas Carswell in Clacton on the Essex coast of southern England, rather faded seaside resort, uh, where he's a very good local MP. People like him and respect him. Uh, I'm pretty sure he'll hold on, uh, and maybe one or two others, maybe even Nigel Farage, bit of a Marmite politician, love him or hate him, uh, uh, will uh, take the... Uh, 
the planet's house seat, which is Broadstairs, where Edward Heath, you remember him, where he grew up. We can't say, and that's really the message, we don't know the impact of the minor parties and the British first-past-the-post system. Uh, we don't know the impact it's going to have on uh, the big uh, seats. Will the Greens take seats from Labour? Will UKIP take, take seats from the Tories? Will uh, uh, Nicola Sturgeon do all those dreadful things you mentioned in Scotland? We just don't know until the day because, you know, it's not just Irish voters who know how to technically vote. We've been learning that here the last 20 years. Just to finish up, Michael, if it is a hung parliament, what happens? Does Cameron carry on with uh, Cameron and Clegg carry on until the next election? Or what is the constitutional situation there? Well, uh, I wouldn't say if anymore. There will be a hung parliament. I'm as certain as I can be as an old gentleman of that. I just don't know who's going to get most seats. Uh, I'm very unclear about that. Either suspicion Cameron will. What will happen then is complicated by, I think, all the fixed-term Parliament Act, which your listeners may be forgiven for not knowing about. It was passed by the coalition by Cameron and Clegg in 2011 to stop them ratting on each other and dashing for an early general election by pulling the rug out. Um, and it's complicated matters because it means that you cannot, uh, a prime minister can no longer call an election, always the right of a British prime minister when it suited him, Queen's permission, of course, know what I mean, um, because you've got to be either defeated on a vote of no confidence or two-thirds of the members of parliament have got a vote in favour of a general election. Uh, now, that makes it more complicated. So Cameron, if he gets most seats, but can't quite put together a coalition because the Lib Dems have lost so many and the Ulster Unionists aren't as many as they used to be. The DUP it is now, of course. He'll go to Parliament and wait and be defeated. First on the Queen's speech, that's no longer enough to trigger a new general election. And there'll have to be a vote of no confidence. When he fails, then Miliband, who might be the second party, not the first party in terms of numbers or votes, um, Miliband will have a go. And only when they've both lost and then, then uh, uh, and there's no other prospect will um, a general election be called. But of course, voters don't want a general election, do they? They say, we vote for you people. Sort it out. Democracy far from the perfect system. Michael, we leave it there. Michael White of The Guardian. And as Michael was saying there, the balance of power could actually end up with Nicola Sturgeon. If nothing else, she's going to have a lot more seats for her Scottish Nationalist Party in the next House of Commons. Newstalk.com's Richard Chambers is in Glasgow. Now, Richard, you've been speaking to some people there this morning. Yeah, good afternoon, Jonathan. I mean, as you heard from Michael White there, Scotland really has been the big issue on the ballot paper across the United Kingdom this election. The Tory party has used the prospect of the SNP propping up Ed Miliband and Labour as something which is really to strike fear uh, in their base in the shires and in the south coast of England. The SNP, for its part, is looking to try and prop up uh, uh, Ed Miliband and the Labour Party. Uh, it's hoping to take as many as 40 seats and beyond. And considering the Labour Party's long history in Scotland, I mean, it took 41 seats in 2010. It's looking at dropping down below into the single figures. So there's obviously a lot of campaigning, a lot of uh, ill-feeling as well because of how the independence referendum went. These voters in Glasgow had mixed feelings on both of the two parties. Labour. I was red with Labour, and I've always voted Labour, and I'm not going to stop now. I think the vote for the SNP will be traditionally Labour voters who are lodging a protest, you could say. Yeah, I think that's how it's going to go. And hopefully, um, it'll be a kick up the pants that the Labour Party need, and then we can all get back to supporting a Socialist Party. Because the SNP has now generated so much momentum, they could change in Westminster. Westminster are terrified. So that's why you have all the bad press. 
it's incredibly frustrating. And I mean, I'm English, mm. but um, I try and you know keep in contact with my friends from home to say, I hope you don't think that Scot, you know, Scottish people are these awful Nazis or something yeah. that are going to c- kind of change the whole country and make things awful. Because it's actually the complete opposite. We're going to try and make things better for working people. Richard, I was reading earlier in one of the British newspapers, one million votes likely to go to the SNP based on the opinion polls now out of a country of 52 million. But the weight being given to those one million votes is, is very significant. Is that why the SNP is doing so well that the Scots, fresh from the vote on independence, which let's face it, they did reject, now have this sense, added sense of value and purpose to what they can contribute? Yeah, I think that's nail on the head, Jonathan. I mean... From covering the Scottish independence referendum last September, the politicisation of the of the general population here in Scotland was massive on both sides of the debate. I mean, the turnout there was upwards of almost 70%. That's huge by any modern uh, Western democracy standards. It's likely to be similar enough to that in Scotland again. And you can't discount the effect and the impact that Nicola Sturgeon has had on it. I mean, she's been described as the, the standout star of the campaign. Um, she's really has shaken up the traditional three main parties set up in Westminster. I mean, the three men in suits analogy, which is traditionally has been how people have seen politics in Westminster. I mean, just looking at the debates over uh, the past few weeks, she's been standout performer in those as well. I mean, she's really, uh, she's really, t- uh, really caught on even south of the border and in England, where people have been calling up and asking how they can vote for the SNP. So, of course, there is some uh, conflict there between the, the idea of the fact that she wants to go into a minority minority government with Labour and the fact that she's taking Labour seats are her main targets. So obviously there's a lot to be worked out there. And of course, uh, Ed Miliband himself has discounted the possibility of even going into any talks about any deals with uh, the SNP. So there's a lot of a lot of uh, emotional, it is very emotional as well, Jonathan, considering the issues at hand. A lot of emotional debate to be had between now and Thursday. Okay, Richard Chambers uh, will be reporting across Newstalk programming uh, for the election coverage. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Richard. We'll come back to you at another stage during the week. You can uh, see more on our website as well, newstalk.ie forward slash UK election.